Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. Hello and welcome to the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. My guest today is Vicky Gafarzadeh. She's a regulatory analyst with Valent USA. And with close to 10 years in AG chemical industry, she currently manages California registrations for both Valent USA and the sister company Valent Biosciences. She reviews company marketing materials to ensure regulatory compliance and handles EPA product renewals for Valent Group of Companies, VGC. She also completes annual EPA establishment reporting for the parent company Sumitomo Chemical Co. Vicky wears a lot of hats in addition to all of that day job. She also presently serves as a member of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council for VGC. She's a founding member and the current chair of the Disability and Mental Health Employee Resource Groups, Diverse Ability which recently launched this inaugural mental health campaign for VGC employees. She's an ally and a member to multiple other ERGs. When she's not at work, Vicky enjoys spending time with her husband and two kids, hyperfixating on new arts and craft projects, recentering with yoga, or tending to our growing collection of plants. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Lola. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. Thank so. you. Thank you for joining me. And uh, I know it's been a busy couple of weeks. And we are yes. recording this on a Friday. So hopefully you're looking forward to a restful weekend. <laughs> yes. And it's a weekend where I don't have, you know, kids activities either. So yes, those ones are always good. <laughs> Whenever people ask, like, what do you, what plans do you have for the weekend? I'm like, no plans. That's the best. <laughs> we get to, you know, decide to go for ice cream if we want or just stay in front of the TV. That's just okay. Um, that works yeah. perfectly. But thank you so much for joining me. And I think we're already touching, touching on kids that we have that in common. But I want yes. to get to know you a little bit more. So can you, um, let's get to meet you, a little bit of your background. Okay. So I am Vicky Gafarzada. I am, my actual role is, you know, my, my title is a regulatory analyst at Valent USA. Um, it's in the ag chemical 
realm. Um, and, you know, I'm mainly responsible for California, uh, anything with California. And um, I also do, you know, some of the marketing stuff on, you know, reading that and make sure that we're compliant. Um, but, you know, here recently, um, our company has really gotten into um, ERGs and we've started forming them. Um, I think we're up to nine now. I was very interested and I started, you know, dabbling with the, you know, the one that I felt that I related to was the women's ERG. So, you know, I joined that one and then the pandemic happened. Um, and during that time, we, you know, everything was remote and, you know, my worlds kind of collided. You have, you know, my work life, my home life, my everything just was all at once. And, and it got to be a little bit overwhelming for me. And I actually um, was at that point, you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD and was kind of exploring more about that and, you know, that new identity and what that meant for me as a mother, as a, and, you know, what that meant for my career. And I was very fortunate that one of my colleagues decided to start um, the disability and mental health ERG. Um, it took a little while for that to actually get going. And for a while, there were just three of us. Um, and then we were slowly getting more and more people. And we got officially recognized as an ERG in April of last year. So um, I am actually the chair of that ERG, which is Diversibility. I'm active in a few of the other ERGs as well. Um, our Pan-Asian American, the parent one, um, mm -hmm. which is Voice and trying to remember, uh, Pride, our Pride group. Um, as an ally. And, you know, I just, I feel that I've learned so much from being in these groups. And I realize how lucky I am to work with a company that fully supports this. That's, that's amazing. I, and I, and I think one of the metrics that I've been tracking and sharing from my monthly call is to let leaders be aware that part of why intersectionality is a key part of the employee resource group conversation is it's it's not I fit into this and that's my group. A lot of people that are involved in ERGs end up being involved in four or five. Yes. Because you find out, you know, I I I relate with these or identify or I want to learn more about these right? Or I'm an ally here. Or in one, in, in some way, I feel like I'm a part of every ERG in, in some form. I might be more engaged in certain ones based on my priority, my stage of life, um, right? But ultimately, when we find ERG advocates, when we find internal inclusion advocates, it's not about one ERG. It's about inclusion for, for different groups. So I, I, I love to hear about uh, people's why, like, why did you join? How did you get involved with ERGs? What started you off on this journey? 
Um, I feel like you already started talking about it with uh, the mental health one, but you did join women first. So what what prompted you to get into ERGs right from the start? Our company actually made it one of our our goals. Uh, We follow the SDGs um, that the UN laid out, and, and one of them is gender equality. And joining the Women ERG actually was, you know, it fit, it aligned with that. And, you know, I got to put it as part of my, my yearly goal and, you know, kind of jumped in. And a lot of people initially look at ERG groups and they think that they have to belong to one and that to, to whatever the group is. And, you know, I was a woman and I thought, okay, sure. And it was very helpful at the beginning just because it was, you know, the pandemic and, you know, it was able, we were able to talk about things that, you know, where we're going on, you know, the work-life balance and how that affected women at the time during the pandemic. I, as a white, cis, straight woman, I realize how very little I know about other experiences. Um, you know, growing up in Mississippi, you know, there wasn't a lot of exposure to people with different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, my school was majority white and I got into college and my, I forget which year it was, but I, I took an African-American literature class and it was a Saturday class and it was a very small, you know, intimate group, but I learned so much. I think I was the, besides the teacher, I was the only other white student and just hearing other experiences was extremely eye-opening. And then the following semester, I ended up taking a class with um, a post-colonial literature class and hearing my professor talk about her experiences growing up in Cameroon and you know, it's just things that I had never been experienced or, you know, I had never experienced it. I hadn't had any exposure to, and it really just opened my eyes to that. Um, I actually, my husband is an immigrant who came from Iran when he was five. I'm lucky that I have him to call me out on my privileges. I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I have opportunities to hear other stories. And ERGs, that's, I think it's a safe place for people who do identify, but it's also a safe place for people who don't identify to hear the stories, to ask questions. I think that it it, it helps make companies better. Yeah, absolutely. No, as you were, as you were describing your background, I was thinking the, the way we think of diversity sometimes it makes us miss a lot of things because what you described, um, I grew up in Nigeria, but I also grew up in a very homogeneous community. All my neighbors looked like me. All my neighbors were black. In Nigeria, which is a pretty um, ethnically diverse country, I grew up where all I knew all my neighbors were all, you know, from a tribe called Yoruba, you know, we were all from that part of the country. I don't think I had any Muslim neighbors. A lot of the people on my street were all Christian, middle class, look alike. So, 
you know, we don't know the impacts of our own privilege and bias when we grow up in this very homogeneous, you know, sort of yeah. vacuum. Yes. And, and yeah. you know, that's, this is why employee resource groups are good because we're bringing people from everywhere to work together and we don't understand what we carry because of how we were raised. Um, and yes. so I, I love that you, you, you know, you talk about your in involvement in different ERGs too, because for me, it, it was always women ERG when I started ERG because gender inequity was very common in, in my country. Yeah. And so I never felt like I belonged in the black ERGs, but people always assumed that I did. Like people would ask me questions, but I never felt like I belonged in a black ERG. I always was about the women ERG. Um, gradually, you know, when I wanted to learn more about African-American history, I got more involved. I started getting more involved because I used to think the black African-American, you know, communities were for blacks that grew up in America. So I didn't feel like, oh, you know, but with women, I was like, oh yeah, I want to, you know, I want to get to know more women that are advancing in their career. So I think it's good to kind of check all of these perspectives because that's what feeds into unconsciously you know, behaving in biased ways or microaggressions towards people is we all have our own mindset of what we carry based on yeah. how we were raised. Um, and ERGs are just amazing to, to shed light on some of these. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of intersectionality, you know, being a part of the disability and mental health ERG, I see how that really affects every single one of the ERGs that we have. And, you know, as a lover of research, you know, I actually started folders on my computer so that when I come across something for, you know, Pride Month or, you know, um, Pan-Asian group or, you know, our African-American group, you know, I try to find ways that I can work and assist them you know, by giving them resources. And at the same time, I'm learning so much. And so, you know, a lot of my, my childhood was spent isolated and alone. And, you know, with these different groups, that's, I don't want anybody to ever feel like they are alone and isolated. And I want to help build a company, a community, a world that is, you know, open and accepting for everybody to, you know, doesn't matter where, what your background is. Everybody has yeah. something that they can offer. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and I know, you know, some people feel like, oh, we talk about these a lot. It's not always about DEI. It's not always about inclusion, but I think we don't talk about it enough because it's not just about the talk and we're done. Yeah. It's a mindset shift. It's a behavioral change. It's things that take time. It's helping people understand, for example, differences between equity and equality. It's helping right. people understand why, you know, some things need to, you know, you, you need to do some things more for certain individuals um, because of disadvantages from the beginning. You know, so it's conversations like these. It's really needed uh, on public platforms. Um, but I... Can you share some of, um, you know, you talked about your career a little bit, which is 
I mean, ERG is not your full-time job. No, it's not. No, it's, <laughs> you, it's definitely a passion. <laughs> it is a passion, right? Yeah. Which is like, I feel like, I mean, 100% of ERG leaders or people that get engaged in ERGs have a different job. You know, some people in, end up going into a full-time career in DEI. Uh, but I mean, there's only so many people that can do that. That's very few people. So we don't need everybody to quit and join DEI. We need people to continue to keep this passion alive in their day job, in their functions. Um, so what are some of the what are some of the ways that you've seen just this journey that you've been on with inclusion through the ERGs, um, uh, through your personal journey, your personal uh, learnings? How are some of the ways that you've seen that shape up in your career path and, and the choices you've made with your day job? Well, um, there's not a lot of, you know, merging of the two just because, you know, in the regulatory world, you know, it's very, you know, black and white. It's, you know, here are the rules. This is what you need to follow. But, you know, part of that is a lot of data analysis and gathering information and always having, you know, your finger on the pulse of what's going on in, you know, for me, California. Um, so even more fun, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I will say that, you know, we, we, in the women's group, we, we read better allies and, you know, when I go to meetings, when I go to, you know, wherever I show up, one of the things that I do try to be cognizant of is who is speaking, when they're speaking, and, you know, somebody who, you know, I've had a meeting before where somebody was saying something, and they're very shy and, you know, very quiet, and, you know, making sure that they know that I heard them, and, you know, maybe giving them the opportunity, oh, well, you know, so-and-so had something to say, what was that? Mm -hmm. And really trying to, you know, mirror some of the behaviors that I've seen other leaders doing, which is just making space for people, um, making sure that there is room at the table to, for everybody to, to have a voice to say, you know, something. And I'm lucky that, you know, I have a, an amazing, amazing supportive boss who is the type of manager that I think everybody should, you know, should mirror in, in many ways. I'm not sure, you know, where this passion will lead, but, you know, I, I know that by being involved, by, you know, trying to, you know, help shape our culture just, you know, within our company, you know, things will change. You know, I, right. I can help, you know, make colleagues feel like they're more welcome. Um, and, right. you know, since we are in the ag space and um, which, you know, is typically more male dominated, um, you know, we work with a bunch of different groups um, to help bring in minorities into this field. Um, I know I just kind of rambled there, but you know, I no, no, I it's interesting because I, I think I didn't phrase my question right, but you answered exactly what I was asking. So, my question was 
related to not everybody is going to move to a full-time DEI role, but the way you've shown up and with the ERGs, with the diversity councils, with all of that, how do you see that shaping your day job? And so kind of what you were saying was, well, it's not a direct, but it is because you are talking about some of the skills that you're learning from being part of these conversations and how it's helping you show up better in your, your meetings, how it's helping you show up better as a leader. And I think that's the key here because a lot of times people think taking your ERG engagement uh, a notch up is by joining the DEI team. But the goal is not that everybody come join the DEI team. The goal is that everybody become better with inclusion as they go about their day-to-day -day at the company, right? That's how we change the culture at the organizations. It's, it's by taking all of this stuff away from the ERGs into our day jobs, right? Uh, how do I support my teammates? How do I show up every morning? How do I listen to other people on my team when they're talking about you know, accommodations that they need? Um, to do their job? Um, how do I support the parents on my team when they are asking for, you know, time off, right? All those things, you know, your day job, our day jobs might not necessarily teach us that, you know, because when it comes to day jobs, it's really about deliverables and goals. But where we are in an organization where the ERGs are thriving and we are learning some of this allyship and, you know, just uh, the reason why intersectionality matters, we are able to learn all these topics it helps us um, in our day job and in the company. So I think you answered it perfectly, even though I didn't phrase the question right. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you kind of are already going into this, which is this, this maybe the meat of it. Um, uh, I don't think it's the meat of it because I think when I think about this podcast, first is to meet the people who are doing this work, I, I really wanted to amplify voices from different perspectives, voices from different identity, uh, voices from different um, a variety of identity intersections, not just one. I mean, I think you talked about um, uh, disability, you talked about being a parent, you talked about different perspectives now that you as an individual can relate to it. So one of the goals for these conversations is bringing people within corporate organizations who can talk about how some of these identities have shaped the way they work. And then if you were speaking to an audience of, you know, people that have a similar background to you, have similar experiences, what are some of the ways that you would encourage, what are some of the actions, specific actions you would encourage them to take as far as um, strategies to, to thrive in the workplace? I mean, one of the biggest things that has helped me is just educating myself. Um, you know, there's so many free resources that are available. Um, you know, one of them for, you know, my ERG specifically is there's a virtual disability museum. Which I, don't, um, I was about to say, which of your ERGs? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, I mean, there's just, there's so much information out there, but, you know, joining the ERGs, even if you don't identify with them, joining them as an ally, you know, that's, that's really, a, you know, a great first step. Um, and, you know, realizing that it is a safe space where you can, 
you know, maybe not in a meeting, but, you know, with maybe the leaders of the ERG, you know, you can ask or, you know, pose questions for somebody. I think I was in a meeting recently and somebody was asking about, um, you know, pronouns and identifiers and somebody who, you know, had more information was able to, as an expert in that area, you know, answer their question. And instead of them going down rabbit holes, you know, Googling stuff that can, you know, can take you in wrong paths very quickly, depending on what you're asking, you know, they can ask somebody that is, you're putting a, a name and a face to somebody who is a part of that group. And it's not just an unknown. And, you know, just interacting with your colleagues and realizing, oh, you know, I do know somebody that is part of this group and part of this group. And it was a good interaction. You know, it, it just slowly helps tear down walls. Um, right. And just listening, listening to other people's stories is so educational. Um, right. And I, yeah, and I think, I think the, 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 the points you're making is about participating in the ERG, right? So I know a lot of people, you know, just based on what you were just saying um, about asking people questions, uh, maybe you don't have anybody in your circle who is LGBTQ uh, family and you, the, the, that individual might have a ton of people asking them questions all the time. You know, people get exhausted. You don't want you to come and ask a question. But if you make the effort to participate in the programs and the events that these ERGs take time to put together, some of your questions will be answered. Oh, yeah. Um, so that you don't have to keep approaching the same person without doing your own homework at all. Some people don't do any homework and you put all of the pressure on the person who is the 10% or the 5% of the representation at your organization and you expect them to have all the answers and, and to teach you everything. So I like the fact that you point out ERGs. ERGs are there for this reason. If you are curious or you want to learn or expand your knowledge about a certain group and the ERGs at your organization, that's a great place to start. You know, you don't have to be a member, but when they put events up, you show up and you shut up and listen. Yeah, we've, we've, let's see, a few weeks ago, we actually, um, we did a Lunar New Year celebration um, and we had different uh, colleagues explain you know different different facets and it wasn't just you know within china i believe they went to they in i forget the other place but you know it was different even within that celebration recognizing the different culture cultural practices that they have yeah. um you know i back in october november i helped put together a um mental health workshop of, of, of sorts um, to kind of make, you know, because mental health in general is, it's very taboo. It's, um, and I was trying to find ways to make it more palatable. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to have other ERG leaders who are in that realm to bounce ideas off of. 
And, you know, one of the things they suggested was mindfulness classes. And that was what I did was, you know, uh, started researching that and, and we were able to roll out company wide for um, our four group companies, mindfulness classes. And, you know, we did chair yoga, which was amazing. Um, it was very, very popular, um, you know, and we did, you know, the mindfulness, you know, breathing exercises, mindfulness for stress, which was, it was right near the holidays. And, you know, it's, it's tools that can, you know, if you attend, if you listen to what's being offered, you know, it's things that you can take with you that do right. change, you know, shift things, the, the way you approach things. Right, so. absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your experiences. Uh, I, I thought about a couple of years ago when I used to question, like, why do people use pronoun identifiers? Because I was like, well, it's only for those that don't go by he and she, right? Like, I don't need to do that because I'm she, right? So it's only for others. But when I got to learn and understand why that is important for everybody to um, identify, to make it the norm for people to freely identify, to stop putting certain gender identifiers as the accepted, right? It, it was really eye-opening for me. Like, oh, this makes so much sense. Cause I just used to like, like, I don't frown. I, I encourage people to do it, but I would just think I don't need to right? Cause yeah. you can tell I'm she, right. <laughs> you know, so it's one of those things where when you get into these spaces, when you get into these events, this is how you learn. And this is how you get better at being yeah. an ally in, in, in your day job. Um, thank you so much uh, for sharing that and for the work you're doing for all of the <laughs> stuff you're doing in addition to, the parenting and taking care of yourself and doing your day job. Um, I, I, ERG leaders are my favorite people I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> because I, 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 I myself used to be part of ERGs, but I know it's just, it's, it's different. You know, a lot of people want to keep it separate. Like this is my day job because this takes so much from me being a part of the ERG. I'm fueling it with my passion. Yeah. And I want to be able to, sometimes I just want to be able to go back to my day job and do what I'm doing there because this takes so much from me. Um, and so when these conversations hopefully would encourage people to get involved, encourage people to partner, um, encourage people to keep going who are doing work within ERG. Um, so anything else you want to share as far as anybody listening who is, trying to grow their career, um, who is part of an underrepresented group and is maybe struggling? What, what do you think? Anything else to share? If you feel that there's an opportunity to, you know, start an ERG, you know, I, I wish that I, you know, I had the experience with the initial forming of one but, you know, I, I know that um, my colleague, whenever she saw that there was a group that didn't have an ERG, um, she reached out to HR and she, uh, no, it wasn't HR, she reached out to the, you know, the DEI um, council 
and, you know, kind of proposed that. And um, so, you know, if you feel that there's a group there that's not, doesn't have a voice, doesn't have representation, you know, be that person, be that leader. Um, and it's, it's a, it's very surprising how many people will, you know, be like, oh yeah, I would love to be a part of that, mm-hmm. you know? So just taking that first step. Right, right. No, and, and, and I think it's, uh, that's another that's another important point about the emphasis on ERGs being employee-led. So if you leave it up to the leadership to say, yeah, the five ERGs we want to start and that's it, you're missing the point. You know, the more voices from the employee population that speaks up to say we want this group, right? Um, I do some ERG consulting for organizations I want to start too, and it's amazing how difficult it is um, within some organizations to find people that will step up and lead right um and and it depends on how far the company has come right like if it's an organization where there's low level of trust where there's multiple challenges the company coming up with five ERGs that they want to start is not the solution you know there's obviously a lot of work to do to to cultivate that trust um but ultimately you know people can speak up if there's an ERG you think you needs to be had speak up the more voices that ask for it um and then the more people that raise up their hands to say hey i would love to uh take the lead or i would love to participate in an event by this group because the the workplace just provides us with such a rich pot of learning opportunity we are all from different places we are all from different backgrounds so we have an opportunity to be better people in our everyday lives by connecting with the people at work so um thank you for all of the many multiple arms you have (laughs) and (laughs) including parenting because we talked about that a little bit um while on the call so which of the ERGs do you lead right now um the one that I am am currently the chair of is diversibility and that is the one that does focus more on disability and uh, mental health mental health okay All right. Well, thank you so much for the work you do. And um, thank you for coming on to share here. Before I let you go, you know, I'm going to ask my final question, (laughs) which is about food. (laughs) Yes. Just because I like to live through everybody. So if you were to share a dish or a snack with your coworkers from your home, your culture, your family, a dish that really speaks to your background, what what would it be and why? Why did you make that choice? So, um, I actually am very, very lucky that I've had my mother-in-law who, you know, uh, is Iranian, uh, Iranian American, and she's been teaching me Iranian dishes. Um, so my favorite one that's my personal favorite is called Adas Polo, which is basically lentil rice. Um, it has, you can make it with meat, um, uh, raisins, a saffron, and, but, you know, I've, I've been trying to learn other ones as well. Um, so, you know, I, I have to make my husband's favorite, which is tachin, which, um, is basically, it's basically like a chicken and rice cake. You know, it's the only way I can describe it. (laughs) I mean, you're speaking my love language and I love rice. (laughs) <laughs> but it has to be mixed with the right stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, I, I love, 
I love learning more about, you know, Iranian dishes just because there's so much passion that goes into the the food, you know, it's 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 not just a quick fix thing. It's, you know, the the tachin for example takes 2 hours minimum to cook. So, you know, it's I I love that. I love and I would share any of those foods that I've I've learned from my mother-in-law. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, cuz I I think people we don't understand how much of a love language that food really speaks to. Yes. Especially in a lot of cultures, right? When the era where people just want food fast, drive through. Yeah. I'm starving, I just want something. Uh but when you think about culture and how much love is poured into food. I mean, look at Thanksgiving and just the spread. Um yeah. that's awesome. So thank you so much Vicky. Thank you. Uh, it was it was nice to chat with you and uh to hear all these insights from you. Take care and have a good day. Thank you, Bella. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, for these important conversations about the global world of work. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and co-workers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website www.thrivinginintersectionality.com and join our LinkedIn group, Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.